everyone, it's another episode of Lansdowne Roar. I'm Dave, your host of sorts, and as always, I'm joined by Kenny. Kenny, how are you doing? Very good, Dave. As always, we've got a lot to talk about with Irish football. Never a dull moment. We're going to talk a little bit about champagne football. We're going to mention some of the players, uh, how they've done, um, who's involved, who's not involved, who might be getting a dream move to paradise. Maybe that's just all nonsense but we're gonna have a little chat about the whole thing probably only one place to start kenny the fai have a brand spanking new uh, chief executive officer the first one since 2005 jonathan hill his background in football is from the fa he's a former commercial manager this one sort of came out of the blue there was a few names bandied about gary owens sarah Keane. all of a sudden though this lad's come out of the running what do you make of it yeah it's uh it's not someone we were thinking about at the start of this whole debacle to get a new CEO. He he shares some letters with John Delaney and Jonathan. So I don't know. It sounds like bad news to me. But uh, let's let's hope he's good. He's got some credentials from being involved in the English FA. Um, he's announced that he's a Leeds United fan. I suppose similar with. With us having Jack Charlton in there with his Leeds United links, I don't know. Uh, don't know too much about the guy. He's worked for multiple different companies over the years. He's got experience in football, so you know, let's let's give him a chance. Uh, let's see how he goes. I I think one thing is good that he won't have any really pre links with the old boys club in in Ireland. You know, so uh, a clean slate is what we really need. So I think he fits the bill for that. Yeah, just looking here as well at his wages, um, he's going to be paid like 207,000, 207,590,000 euros per annum, which is a drop from the 360 plus that his predecessor, John Delaney, was on. Now, of course, there's been uh, numerous uh, interim positions. Um, we had Rhea Walsh, Noel Mooney, Paul Cook, and most recently Gary Owens, but this is the first permanent uh, position and and really hopefully he'll give this a bit st- stability easy for me to say uh that the fai badly badly needs it seems like a safe pair of hands i mean the fa say what you want but you know the current fa module seems to be a very modern slick operation and we could really really do uh with a bit of that on this side of the water wondering wonder wondering what is uh his rent is going to be for his house i wonder <laughs> if that getting paid as well or is that being disclosed uh, yeah, he's probably. Oh God, I'm, I'm sure we'll find out in ten years' time. Kenny, when is another book? You know, <laughs> it's Irish football, isn't it? There's always a disaster around the corner. What, what's going to be the next controversy? Speak, and speaking of controversy, uh, the book Champagne Football obviously hit the shelves there last week. Really jaw-dropping stuff, Kenny. I'd recommend anyone out there uh, yeah. to have a read of it. Some of the stuff is just incredible. And also, if you're reading it, make sure you have some volume beside you. Because Jesus, it's it's really it's it's depressing, funny, and infuriating. But it, it's a brilliant read, you know. Yeah, it's kind of tough to get yourself in the in the zone to read it as well, because you know it's going to anger you no matter what what way you read it about what's happened. So, you know, you really need to get yourself in the zone. There's a really good chapter. I think it's chapter fifteen. Uh, and it's called uh, Scarlet for you. And uh, speaking of that chapter, I think uh, you're mentioned in the book, aren't you, Dave? <laughs> yeah, I, I I am indeed. I mentioned on a trip to Jelena uh, from Bratislava back in 2010, and this was the same trip where most people like had they had this tr- great train journey 
where John Delaney got on and he had he basically rented out a train and plied all the fans with alcohol. And then when he got to Jelena, they all hoisted him above his head. And I think the chant was, John, oh, John Delaney used to be a wanker, but he's all right now. I remember we were on a bus and we booked it with the official FAI travel agent at the time. I remember there was talk about this game is going to be moved from Bratislava. So I remember it popped into the travel agent and said, look, I'm hearing all these rumors. Is this game going to be moved from Bratislava? And I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, I think there's a certain, I think it's 60 days or it's 90 days before a game. And he said, no, look, it's, it's, it's gone past that. So they can't actually move it. You know, that's your way for law. Like, they have so many days to move it. So that should be grand. Lo and behold, it got moved anyway. And then we had to pay, I think it was like another 40 euros each or something along those lines. Like, if an extra bus and it was four of us. So I said, yeah, fuck it. Like, we'll do it. And uh, I remember, like, we were, we were stuck in his coach. And there was an onboard toilet. We weren't allowed to use the onboard toilet. Uh, the driver was very adamant about that. Uh, we were all dying of a hangover. I remember just kind of like sitting there, head in my hands. Four of us absolutely in bits. But there was, you know, lads would be lads. And there was lads down the back and they were drinking cans of beer. And sure, why wouldn't you? But the driver wouldn't let me use the onboard toilet. And he wouldn't stop at any of the services. You know, about an hour in, they're like, look, can you stop there? Like, we, we need to go to the toilet. I was like, no, we've got a schedule. And we were sitting right at the front, so we saw all of this. And one of the lads that was with us was um, his cousin was on the on the uh, the train ride, and he's like giving you know he's giving the mate like all these updates. Ah, oh, you know there's drink going on, and we're like, while this is going on, like we're seeing like the driver rowing, you know, with these Ireland fans who are quite rightly, you know, angry that <laughs> you know he's Won't not even let you go for a piss. Yeah, and there's a bit, you know, there's a toilet on the back of the bus. But I remember saying to the lads because I was traveling a lot. I used to be a mad Liverpool fan, and I used to go to all the games. And I'd be like, look, he might get funny because the driver used to get funny in those games. Like the drivers are funny, you know. They they might some days they let you use, some days won't. So just you know, go easy. And uh, I think he eventually stopped like 15 minutes outside the ground. I mean, sure, there was no point then. But like, yeah, it almost. It almost got a bit nasty. God knows what happened. Like, God knows where he went. I'm sure it was a few refilled beer bottles down the back of the bus. But uh, I remember it just Mark Ty um, and Paul Rowan both went on Twitter and he just said, look, if you got any stories from this era, you know, just, just anything. I, was, I just chanced my arm and I just went, look, um, it's not a big story. But with that train, the whole thing with the, with the train ride. That would, uh, you know, I can give you like a little bit of seasoning to that story. I can kind of take like a little flip side. I mean, I'm not moaning about, not begrudging anyone having a good time, but it was just, I just thought it was funny that, you know, they're having a bit of time of their lives and we're, we're stuck on the bus. And, uh, you know, they, they, they used it. They came back and they said, look, it's all right. We'll write it up this way. And, and if we can use that, is that okay? And they went, yeah, fantastic. So it was really cool just to be mentioned um, in an Irish book. And I think a very, one of, it's going to be one of those historical Irish books as well. And it's flying off the shelves, which I'm delighted for the, for the authors. Paul Rowan, big fan of his. Uh, Mark Ty, obviously, he blew he blew this wide open, you know. And uh, it was really strange, Kenny, like standing in Waterloo Station. And I'm actually I was reading the book naturally and to actually like move on to a bit. And I'm reading about myself, albeit like a very, very small part. So I thought that was very cool. But yeah, really great book. And I'd recommend anyone out there to uh, pick it up. There's a pirated version going around, apparently. Don't you know. Get the book. Just pay. it's a, it's a tenner on Kindle, you know. It's like fourteen euros. I know times are hard, but at the end of the day, you know these guys have 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 lifted the lid on all of this. And journalists don't get paid a great deal. They really don't. And this is where they make the money from. That's why so many journalists write so many books because the only way they really make any sort of decent living, you know. So buy the book. 
um, investigative journalism needs to be kept alive in Ireland, and this is the way you're going to do it. So well said. Um, it's a good, good, good read. Got got started to to it myself, and uh, you know, as I say, you do have to be in the place to read it. Um, scandalous some of the stuff that's gone on, and you know, fair play to to Mark Toig really for blowing the whole thing wide open. And you know, we're looking at hopefully a fresh new era now with the new guy coming in. There's another great book as well, but it didn't get as much coverage. Called Who Stole Our Game? Dara Green wrote it, and that's a fantastic book. Uh, so a lot of stuff that are, are read, like because you do, they, they go over. You know, they cover a lot of ground from the past. Um, I've read already in that book, but it's very important that this gets out in the mainstream and people read about this. And we're going to move on to the players, Kenny. Now, I don't know about you. I thought it was a bit of a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, in terms of our goalkeepers, we uh, only had one goalkeeper playing, and that was Gavin Bazanu of originally of Man City, but he's on Rochdale alone. He played ninety minutes. I kept a clean sheet, made three terrific saves, actually, and he was involved in the League One um, team of the week. But a bit worrying. No Randolph, no Travis, no O'Hara, no Callagher featured, not even in the PL2 squad. So, um, yet again, Kenny needs to be worried a bit. Absolutely. I mean, there's about, what, 13, 12, 13 days to go in the transfer window. And yeah. you're looking at, you know, Travers expected to maybe take the first but number one spot with Ramsdale getting his move and now he's not used against Middlesbrough so he seems to be getting jumped over. Randolph has gone back to West Ham. Uh, I don't know why because you know Fabianski I, I personally would have him ahead of Fabianski but you know it looks like he's not going to get in there. Um, I don't know. He's too good to be hanging around as a number two in the Premier League. Uh, he I'd be pushing for a move if I was him, you know, yeah. um, you know, and then we've got O'Hara just, just, you know, it's League One level is where he's at now. So uh, him and Kelleher, Kelleher needs a lot of move uh, away to get some first team football. Is that going to happen in the next couple of weeks? Who knows? You know, he's still learning his trade. He's only a young lad, Kelleher. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's not looking good. We've we've always had an embarrassment of riches in our goalkeeping positions and uh, we're kind of struggling here at the moment. So I'd like to see possibly Randolph uh, move, get a move, and Travers to, to claim back that number one spot. It is worrying. I mean, Bazanu, he will be a future number one for Ireland, uh, no doubt about it. And possibly himself and Calher finding out Kieran O'Hara I mean not 24 year old now not even in the squad of Burton Albion he's only signed uh, permanently actually in the last couple of weeks so it's a bit worrying moving on to our defenders Seamus Coleman the Everton captain and actually Ireland captain uh, he showed a bit of that leadership quality Kenny did you um, get a load of that video that was making rounds on Twitter about him having a go at Kieran Gibbs after Gibbs got sent off for doing James Rodriguez off the ball yeah it did yeah um, you know, it's a good clip to 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 see. It kind of it reminded me a bit of uh, Keane and and Vieira at that time, and Keane was sticking up for Gary Neville. You know, it's kind of yeah. uh, Seamus really showing that he's a leader and the captain of the side, and going, you know, well, care what you say there, you know, as if like who are you picking on? I'll I'll sort you out. Sort sort of approach, which I thought was quite good. Yeah. Um, it's good to see. You know, he's he's a leader. And, and just in case uh, for our listeners, if you haven't heard it, here's that clip. How severe is the contact? Red. He's off. Kieran Gibbs. 
I do love Seamus Coleman. I mean, he does actually have uh, form in terms of uh, colourful language and telly. I was going through our, <laughs> our archive here and I found a clip of him playing for Sligo Rovers. It's like TG Cahar. He plays well. He scores a lovely goal and they interview him afterwards. And uh, well, have a listen. Get on, get on it. Get on it. Coleman. Jose Coleman. Fantastic <laughs> Coleman. Fighting Coleman. I guess that dog can Coleman. I guess I guess the coolest of Matthew Judge. Don't get to your fan. Seamus Coleman got down the hole. So she needs Pass cluster. Matthew Judge to lead on. Charlie <laughs> <laughs> Okay. okay, Gary, it's a Kusilava as Istanbul and show. Jenna, Peter Farlow, Aircom, Brunner, Seamus Coleman. What best of luck for Patriot? Good game. Uh, you must be happy with that. Oh, yeah, great result. Great result. Like, they're in top four and we want to be aiming for there. We want to be up where they are, you know, and with a poor first half. But, like, in the second half, fucking, we got better, <laughs> you know. Beep. Okay, yeah. uh, what? How do you think you broke them down? Uh, it was a tough in the first half. You, you know, you. First half, we didn't we didn't play at all in the first half. You know, we didn't play. But manager had a word with us at half time, and like he told us what to do, and we went out there and gave it our all for the manager and got the result in the end. Okay, thanks very much. Best Good. of luck. What I love about that clip as well, the audio doesn't actually do it justice. But we're actually going we're going to put it, we're going to share it back up on the uh, on the page. In fact, just for the crack. Um, but I love his facial reaction on that. I love it. It's also funny, but uh, I mean, the CG car, it's a, it's an Irish speaking station. But of course, you know, Seamus, as far as I'm aware, can't speak Irish. The interviewer has to do it in English. So I, I don't know. That sort of just amuses me a little bit. Yeah, he, he is definitely a leader, Seamus. And, and we probably could do with him that influence somewhere on the pitch. Yeah, no, so with, with him, him versus Doherty at the weekend, I think now the two of them featuring and. 5-2 victories for for their clubs, you know, 5-2 victory sounds great, but, you know, they're, they're both defenders at the end of the day um, two goals being conceded is never good, so, you know, we're kind of comparing the two of them and looking at their stats from from the weekend, I think you know, Seamus uh, kept the ball a lot better than than, than Matt at the weekend, he's kind of 55 passes, they're, they're over 90% accurate, whereas uh, and Matt was a bit riskier with his passes and uh, wasn't as accurate either, so he's kind of got 55% accuracy on his passing, which which wasn't great. Uh, Jesus. I think 
Yeah, he's lost possession a good few times in that game, Matt. So, you know, he's only early in his days at, at, at Tottenham. He's trying to impress. I kind of got the feel off him that he was trying to maybe, you know, be a bit showy and, and, and make something happen in the game from his position. As in, you know, I've just been signed. I've got to, I've got to really do something different here. I've got to attempt some fancier flicks and stuff, which... Uh, it kind of worried me a bit, you know. He's only into what's his second or third game there at Spurs, so um, Seamus was just a lot more composed on the ball and and played a, a, a lot more solid of a game, even though you know they still conceded the same amount of goals. Yeah, and also Doherty gave away uh, a penalty. I mean, the game was was never in danger at that point. I thought it was a bit unlucky with the penalty. Actually, I thought it was a ricochet, just kind of ricochet back off his hand. Uh, what did you make of that? Yeah, ricochet. I thought he was a DJ. <laughs> Jesus, it's like doing, it's like doing a, a podcast with fucking Bob Monkhouse. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I didn't, I did, yeah, I did think you know it's a bit, it's a bit harsh. Um, I don't think it uh, took away from the overall game, so I don't think you get too, too punished no. over it. But you know, just some, some strange calls this weekend. Uh, speaking of our, our defenders, you know, John Egan got sent off, VAR call. Well, the the ref gave the decision first. And VAR didn't didn't overrule it. Uh, Egan had a bit of grappling with Villa striker Ollie Watkins. Uh, it was a straight red card was given for denial of a goal, obvious goal scoring opportunity. But you know, if you look at it back, uh, it was a bit of a hit and hope ball from from Villa down the down the line, and uh, Egan was grabbed the hole of Watkins. And you know, it can seem a bit harsh to be a bit harshly done by to get sent off there. I think that's his second sending off now in the last maybe six months. He was sent off against Newcastle as well. He was interviewed there, I think it was last week, saying that he'd like to, to play Gaelic football when he finishes his soccer career. So maybe he was getting a start at that with his with his challenge with Hawkins. And then, of course, you know, speaking of other, other central defenders, uh, a debut for Jimmy Don and a debut goal. McNeil to deliver, swings it in. Good ball in there, you know. Let's head a wall and then a guess out. Jimmy Dunn has scored on his <laughs> Premier League debut. Finally back in it. Great delivery from McNeil. And there was Jimmy Dunn coming in on it. I mean, he got the goal, Kenny, but unfortunately he did play in a defence that conceded four goals uh, up at Leicester. What the, I, I thought he'd done well. It might be a bit harsh in Kevin Long, but I thought Jimmy Dunn acquitted himself a lot better than Kevin Long. And I, I really think Jimmy Dunn has a... A future, more of a future anyway at the club and has a better chance of starting. Yeah, I thought he played very well. Uh, strange to say, uh, conceding four goals at the centre-half. Um, you know, and not to, not to say his goal would, would have given him, you know, a great bit of confidence and stuff, but as far as a defensive performance, we discount his goal. I still think he, he played, played all right. He quit himself quite well. Uh, I think he won the ball in the air every time. Uh, he challenged for the ball in the air, which was which was good to see. He was up against you know Vardy's quite quite experienced. You know he's he's got a great goal scoring record, um, and he didn't turn him inside out at all. So uh, I thought he did he did quite well, quite promising for for the future. Um, I think he can he can he can make it there. He's still a young lad, you know. He's got a he's got a good bit to go. Deutsch was quite quite complimentary of him after the game too, and uh, I think he's got a future there. Um, you know, Kevin Long on the on the on the other hand, more experienced player, but you know he really suffers. He's he's never been regular in that poorly side, and you could see signs of him being a more experienced pro, but. 
not getting that regular football that he needs, kind of being slightly a bit slower to react than if he was playing game after game. And I think he really needs to get some regular football uh, if he's ever going to break back into the Ireland setup. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you can see he looked like he looked like a dog that's just been in quarantine for six months. Like he just had no real awareness of what was going on around. I mean, I'm not going to blame him. You can't couldn't blame him for all four goals. Obviously, I thought. Oh no! I would have pointed yeah. the finger mainly at their fullbacks. More they were the badly goals. exposed, weren't then, they, by then, the fullbacks? Yeah. Then the two lads. Uh, I think they didn't really contribute directly to any of their goals, which was good to see. You know. So, yes, future is good with their with them. I think. On the flip side of it, then we have. The likes of Nathan Collins at Stoke not getting into the side. Worrying, Connor, yeah. yeah, Connor Masterson signing a contract extension and then not getting picked again. Yeah. Um, you know, these these are two two young lads that were billed as a big future for us. So I'd like to see them get back into their their setup in, in club level. And Derek Williams, uh, twenty seven year old, born in Hamburg, funny enough. Uh, he actually played 90 minutes and he scored a 5-0 win over Wickham. He was actually included in the championship team of the week, which is which is nice to see. I mean, I, I was actually... He played against uh, New Zealand in the November International. I was very impressed with him. I thought we'd see a lot more of him and then he kind of just fell away. And I, I don't know why, like, what, what he would. Yeah, it seems like... I don't know. He's, he quit himself quite well at, at Blackburn. I don't know. There's yeah. something there that... There's something that we're not noticing... He's reminded me a bit of Greg Cunningham uh, a few years ago. Not, not yeah. he's not not playing the same position as him or anything. But Greg Cunningham was in in the side week in week out a left back, and we were looking for a left back. But for some reason, he was never included in the side. So we were never calling him up. You know, Stephen Ward was being called up, and Cunningham wasn't even making squads, and he was still getting regular football. And I think similar has happened with Williams. Like he, he's a big guy, he puts himself about. You know, he's there with his centre-back partnership with uh, Lenehan. Lenehan's getting into the squad, so, you know, I don't know, there's something something there. I, I think getting his goal, you know, 5-0 win against Wickham. Wickham new to the championship, you know, they were expected to win that game, all right. But, yeah, yeah. You know, he's getting regular football. You can see him in and around the squad, and he can be used as centre-half and left-back as well. So, you know, I can see him getting called up, but I don't know why he's being ignored today. No, it's a funny one. I mean, we you can look over any international manager or just managers in general, and they tend they tend to have a blind spot. They pick players that shouldn't be in there, and they just tend to leave players for for no for reasons only known to to themselves as to why they keep them out. I just hope for his sake, because anytime I've seen him, he's always done quite well. Cyrus Christie. Now, I was wondering with him, that sort of came out of the blue. He's just completed a loan move to Forest, Nottingham Forest, who are atrocious at the moment in the championship. I thought it was strange that he wasn't getting into the Fulham side because he did help him get up. And Stephen Kenny even spoke about how much better and how much more, how uh, much of an improvement he had seen in Cyrus Christie last season when he got promoted. Um, but he's now signed for Notts Forest. He's 27 now, Kenny. Do you think his time in a green shorts are over or do you think this will springboard him? He's toured in a three-horse race, you know. He's he's never going to be better than Seamus or Matt for the right-back position. Uh, maybe he'll, he'll try his luck at centre of midfield like Martin O'Neill gave him uh, to get himself in there. But he's always done all right for Ireland. He's just 
he's there when we need him and he, he's done okay when, when he's been called upon. So, you know, he's not getting regular football, although played well for Fulham last year. He didn't, he wasn't first, first on the team sheet. And he was in and out of the side as well. So, um, a long move, get some first in football and cement his place as, as third in, the, in, in, in a three-horse race. I don't see him pushing either of the two guys. So, you know, no. he's a bit unlucky, at, you know, at a different era. He could have possibly got in the side a bit more regularly, but, you know, him getting first in football, it's not really going to massively benefit Ireland, I don't think, in the long run, because, you know, I wouldn't see him as, as part of our plans uh, only if, if Matt Doherty and Seamus Coleman get injured, you know? Yeah, I mean... Also, it's our strongest position as well, right back. I mean, he is unlucky. He's always been lucky. I was re- I was just doing a bit of research for something there a while ago, and I was reading up when he was made central midfielder. And uh, apparently, when he was told an hour before the game, your central midfielder, a position he hadn't played since he was fourteen, and apparently that also annoyed a lot of players. So I really, <laughs> luck is just not on Cyprus Christie's, Christie's side. Um, just moving on to the midfielders, James McCarthy. He impressed. In a 3-1 win over a dog shit Man United on the weekend. He, even Jermaine Genus, he, he even highlighted them on Match of the Day, Kenny. He, he had the like the twirly things and, you know, he put the circle around them and he attached the two of them, him and James McArthur. But he did play well. He Obviously, the type of player McCarthy is, he won't he, he won't bedazzle you, but he'll do the little nitty-gritty things that, you know, he'll break up attacks, that kind of thing. He seems to do it quite well. And under Hodgson, he seems to be getting the absolute best out of him. Yeah, and, and Kenny's has, has already said he's a big fan of him and yeah. wants him to get there. So, you know, that's good. I want to see him continue that regularly week in, week out, um, staying in the Crystal Palace side because he was in and out of it, you know, has had his injury trouble. So it's nice to see him uh, getting some solid game time. And, you know, I've always said it to you that, you know, I just don't think he's ever had a good game for Ireland. Um, he just hasn't seemed right, but this could be down to, to the instructions he was given from our, our previous management. And I think Kenny has a bit of faith in him. So, you know, that could change. He could be one to to, to go straight into the starting lineup for the for the playoff game. And uh, uh, he could, could impress if he plays as well as he did at the weekend. Harry Arter, uh, the 30-year-old, yeah. hasn't featured for Bournemouth. If you if you look through the news with him, a bit of a mixed bag at the moment. He he hasn't featured in the league whatsoever for Bournemouth. He did play the League Cup game during the week, but he hasn't played in the, in the Championship for them at all, which yeah. seems to be strange. I know in August, Scott Parker, who was his brother-in-law and the manager of Fulham, wanted to secure a permanent deal for him. That hasn't happened for whatever reason, which does seem strange, actually. Also, he has been linked with a move to Besiktas, and other Turkish sides, and also he's been linked with a move with Nottingham Forest. It's a strange one. I mean, he he needs to get in. Uh, you know, he's he's. I thought I thought Bournemouth were going to keep him because he clearly should be a first choice central midfielder for them because he could do a good job there. He, he played quite well for us in, in in the friendlies there, or well, not friendlies, the Nation League. Uh, I think we treated him as friendlies though, um, yeah. and I think he he. You know he's a quality player. He needs to play week in week out. Yeah. Something's not going right there with Fulham. You know, uh, maybe is his brother-in-law pretending that he wants him and is and is saying that the move is being blocked, but he actually doesn't fancy him in the Premier League. I don't know. You know, he he needs a move. There's only I think it's 13 days left of the window. You know, he's he's not in the squad there. Similar to. 
Josh Cullen impressed last season. He's constantly mentioned on our page as somebody that should be included, but uh, he's not going to look in at West Ham. So he could need lead a loan move or, or a permanent move. Jason Malumbi at Brighton, again, got his, got his international debut and uh, hasn't featured at all for them. And I think we mentioned the squad number before. He's in the 46 or 49. Yeah, so, you know, uh, there are three central midfielders just there who people on our, our page, our followers, mention as they should be in the starting lineup or in, in and around the starting lineup. And, well, they're not getting in their squad at a club level. So they'll need to, they'll need to enforce some moves, uh, I think, you know, where other than that, you've got players that are playing ahead of them and they're always going to be called. You know, I think Stephen Kenny's going to go and see the likes of, of, of Arthur not getting any game time at all. So, and Malumbi, and he's going to go, well, you know, I can't really pick you guys. I need, I need fresh, I need players who, who are match fit. Yeah, and, and rightfully so. It is frustrating. Um, speaking of match fit, um, well, he just cannot seem, when he seems to be getting a run, it just seems to just go wrong from somehow. Uh, Robbie Brady, he was actually playing quite well. And now I know they lost four two up at Leicester, but he he was actually one of the better players. And you know he got taken off with a rib injury, and it all sort of fell apart for uh, Burnley after that. I mean, it's a rib injury; it's not too bad. He should be back anyway in time for the playoffs. But uh, not a frustrating blow for the Dubliner. Yeah. I mean, he's finally in the starting lineup, and forty minutes in, and and you get an injury. Uh, you know, if 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 his replacement comes in, I don't think he'll play the next game for Burnley. I think he'll sit that one out as well. And they start doing well and getting a run of results, then he's going to see himself on the sidelines for quite some time. I think similar happened to him before a couple of years ago. He got he got an injury. And uh, by the time he'd recovered from the injury, uh, McNeil was in was in the side ahead of him uh, at Burnley, and he was doing quite well. They got a good run of results, so Deutsch was wasn't changing the side, and he was sitting there, fit on the bench and not not getting game time. So, you know, he, he needs to stay injury free, get back in that side quite quickly because you know he's one of our most talented players. There's no doubt about that. Right, so moving on to the forward, James McLean, another enigma. I don't know what's going on with Stoke Kenny. He was last season's player of the year. Uh, he hasn't even travelled with the Stoke team for any of the league games. Now, they've had a they've had a bit of a poor start. They had a nil-nil draw at the Den on the opening weekend, and they did get a 1-0 win over Wolves in the League Cup, where McLean played uh, the majority of that game. And... For the league match at home to Bristol, they lost 2-0 and he wasn't in the squad. Now, there's been a little bit of uh, disquiet amongst Stoke fans. They're not very happy that their player of the year last season is not uh, playing. I've just gone here on the Stoke Sentinel website and a couple of the fans here. Fella Clive Walker saying McLean should be playing. His speed and cross from the left is sorely missed. Formation seemed off. And McLean was on bench. Formation could have been changed, but that option wasn't there. And there's another lad going on saying that Fox is not a wing back, so I can't see how he gets in front of McLean or Tymon. So that's another problem as well, Kenny, that James McLean is facing. He's one of three players battling for a left wing back position. So Michael O'Neill is trying to bring in, which seems to be the flavour of the month formation. Three five two, yeah. The 3-5-2 wing back. He's not a wing back. You know, he's a left winger or a forward, really, James McLean. So 
I don't know what's going to happen there, but he seems to be insisting on this for, uh, on this formation. Do you think it's time yeah. for McLean to move on, or? Well, if 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 Michael O'Neill is going to insist with that, then you know he's going to have to look elsewhere. He's too old to to not be playing regular football. Yeah, Thirty one now, yeah. He won't be knocking on the door to to get included in the starting eleven. You know, he he divides fans' opinion on air pages a lot. Uh, people don't think he should be included. Think he's uh, one dimensional at times. But you know, he gives one hundred and twenty percent, and he's the type of player that we want in and around the squad. Even if he's not going to play, you get that feeling that he's going to push the starting eleven in training. So you know, you want him to get to get some game time. Michael O'Neill, you know, is knows all about James McLean. He knows what he's about. He he's come up with this idea of changing the formation. You know, sometimes managers get this idea of the formation and the system is key. And they yes. don't look at the individuals they actually have to go, Well, I need to adjust to them because, you know, James McLean is too good to be left out of the starting lineup. Let's Stick him in as as a left winger and let's change our formation. That's he's he doesn't see James as being good enough for that. A lot of their fans do. So I don't know. I think with the poor result at, at the weekend, he might force Michael O'Neill's hand to actually uh, feature him next week. And if he does, then James will probably stick around. If he's not included next week, you know he'd be. I don't know, knocking on doors to try and get a move somewhere else. You know, he he he's good enough to play for any championship club, and and of course you've you've heard the links of him going to Paradise him, with himself and Duffy up there, and uh, it's it's basically Derry Derry Celtic <laughs> are yeah. going to be up there. You know, probably has one more chance, and he's thinking, right, look, if you're not going to play me, then you have to let me leave because I want to be. You know, I've probably got another couple of years left in in a green shirt. I'll have a feeling with James McLean, he probably played to his 40. Speaking of Celtic, nothing nothing concrete. Uh, it, it's just a lot of rumour and innuendo online about this, like a lot of fan forums ended to talk about it. Now, that, that could be from a wink and a nod, or that could be from... Oh, look, he's been, he's been linked with Celtic about seven million times. You know. he, he, he's uh, a perfect it match. Doesn't, it doesn't take yeah, it doesn't take an absolute expert to realise that he he fits the criteria to play for Celtic, you know. So, um, I think you know those are, are quite lazy rumours all the time. I haven't seen anything yeah. with any real substance to it though. It's actually ironic because if James McLean stays in England, it'd probably be the first time that he wouldn't face abuse in November. But um, anyway, we'll move on from him. Aaron Connolly, he scored another goal, hit the post. He loves stepping in on his right, Kenny, doesn't he? And, and hitting it in that uh, left-hand corner of the goalkeeper. It was a beautifully taken goal, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, you know, I've seen him uh, under 21 for, for Ireland playing on the on the left side of, of, of a front three and uh, doing simply that most of the game. He's got that... I'm not saying he's he's like him as, as a footballer. He has that uh, as a footballer, but he just reminds me so much to Damien Duff at times. But just... He gets the ball and you think, well, something's going to happen. Just to bring a bit of buzz about the place. Um, he's always on the front foot. He wants to look positive going forward, trying, trying himself. He's, he, he has been guilty of being a bit selfish sometimes himself, but uh, I think he's, 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 he's a great player for us. He'll, if he keeps staying in the side, you know, scoring goals, 3-0 you know, win, you're not going to get dropped now. So um, it's brilliant to see. He's one for the future. And, you know, I, I get that 
bit of buzz about him every time he gets the ball. You think, all right, he's, he's going to do the, something. He's going to go for a run. He's going to go around someone. So, you now he's yeah. one for the future, big time. And uh, it's great to see him getting some game time still because, you know, he, he burst on, scored a couple of goals, and then he, he kind of went a bit flat towards the end of last season. So, yeah, it's good to see him getting an, an early goal this season. Poor Dave McGoldrick, he did start and I thought brilliant and then um, John Egan selfishly gets sent off and then he gets sacrificed I, I, I thought it was a really strange one myself I think you know McGoldrick just got back into the side and and I, I was chatting now was 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 my was my uh, my missus beside me who obviously doesn't give an absolute shit of what I say whatsoever about football and I was trying to go and I was look look you know, Egan's after being sent off. I think McGoldrick, they're lucky. McGoldrick is a forward. He'll do all the donkey work. He'll come back, drop into midfield, and he'd be perfectly suited to playing yeah. the 10th man. And uh, a few minutes later, he gets subbed off. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chris Wilder doesn't think the same as me about, about David McGoldrick. Uh, he took him off, left Ollie Bork up there, who who has played as a winger uh, a lot, and uh, sacrificed McGoldrick. So, you know, I thought it was tough for him. You know, Took him a long time to get his goal last season, um, and then you know back into the side. I think I think he's a better footballer than you know McBurney and and Sharp are getting ahead of him. And I thought right, you know Sheffield United have him starting, and I think he's he's the better option. And let's hook him off after forty minutes. And I think he would have been the player that I would have kept on because I think he suits playing yeah. ten men because he does so much work. You know, I always say to you, Dunny, at the matches, I'm like. What's McGoldrick? McGoldrick's man of the match for Ireland, but what's he doing? Why is he over in the right wing? Why is he in central midfield? Why is he on the left? Because he just works so hard, and uh, you know, I, I thought that was tough for him. Hopefully, he starts the next game. Um, yeah. You know, at least he's getting in there. You know, we have in the Premier League with our strikers. I think you know that that's the end of our strikers that that started. <laughs> uh, everyone else was a sub, weren't they? You know, Shane Long, Obafemi. Uh, Ida, uh, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, well, James Collins played, uh, he's a bit hit and miss, yeah. and he, he played in a 2 1 win over Derby on the weekend. Uh, yeah, McGoldrick, I mean, anytime you play for Ireland with Hendrick, you know, he's used to playing with 10 men. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, I suppose one player we can really touch on is, um, Zach Elbozetti, uh, for Lincoln, you know, featured a lot for Kenya at the under 21s. And, yeah. you know, he got this move to Lincoln, not really featuring. And it's a bit worrying. I, I, I don't know what's going on there. Um, you know, no sign of an injury. And, unless one of our listeners can, you know, I, I can't find anything. And for whatever reason, he, yeah. he just did travel. It's, it's a weird one, isn't it? He, he, he was linked to, to moving to better clubs, bigger clubs, and higher up the divisions and stuff. And look, he did impress. So, no, he's not getting in the squad at all there. You know, we're, we're looking at players for the future. Um, and and he was one that looked. I was going to impress, and he moved, went to move to Lincoln because I thought he figured he'd get much more regular game time. And now he hasn't featured at all for them so far this season. Uh, you know, it's it's worrying for him. But you know, he's he's still young, he's a young kid, and maybe yeah. maybe a loan move might end up happening there for him. Uh, we've got a few players of that of that ilk who 
are over there and they're trying to you now break through and they've impressed in underage football, but they're not getting the break in senior football. And, you know, it's 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 tough to get that break and to to make that quality difference week in, week out, playing with professionals every day. So, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to see him get through. We've a few others. We've uh, Jonathan Afalobi up at Celtic with the move to Celtic from Southampton. Hasn't featured at all. No. Another long move possible for him. I don't know, you know. Um, but we worrying. It's a, it's a real juncture for these guys where they need to start getting into first team football, or they could fall by the wayside. Yeah, it, it is a little bit worrying, and I mean, and it happens actually more often uh, than not with, with young players. They just can't make the step up for whatever reason. I mean, it could just be a bad injury. The manager doesn't like them. It, it could be anything, you know. So uh, we do want to see more from our young lads. Well, Kenny, we're going to leave it there. I mean, a very, very interesting week. Um, if you, By the way, if you want to get a full list of how the players have done, we haven't gone through them all, uh, whether they've played, subbed, booked, sent off, scored, you name it, uh, just go onto our Facebook page. And we'll be doing this, basically, uh, we'll be picking a period, a window of when the matches are on. So our next one will be on Thursday evening. We'll put that up, and that will cover the Monday games all the way through uh, to the Thursday games and then we'll start again from Friday and we'll put up another list on Monday and that's how we're going to do it because uh, we, we just want to you know give you guys a little heads up on what's happening and by the way players will be added to it players will be taken off it's it's basically players that are based around the squad or are just on the periphery of the squad or could feature in the squad so you know it's, it's something that's always going to keep on moving Kenny, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for listening at home, and we're going to catch you on the next episode. All the best. Bye.